welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. Mahogany Cast is back to talk about a Nashville legacy. And um, we're just gonna, you know, jump right into it. So we have Bree here. Hello, everybody. And Jasmine. Hey. And Dory's here. Hi, everyone. And I didn't say I'm Anne. I'm your fearless well. leader. Hey, girl. <laughs> Um, so the first thing is that I thought we should talk about is when the promo came out for this movie, you know, we, we have a chat, you know, um, a text, a text group chat and, you know, we sent it there and then we started talking about the promotion and how we felt about it. So I kind of wanted to share with the listeners a little bit about that and then kind of since we've watched it now kind of compare, do we think that was a good reflection of the movie that they promoted, or do we still think maybe it wasn't? So um, just let me know what you first thought about the promos that you saw, and then after seeing the movie, do you think it was a good reflection of the promo and also the poster, since she's the only one on the poster and that's kind of odd? You can also you know, say if you thought that was a good thing or you thought it reflected the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of let me know what you, what your th- initial thoughts were versus after watching it for the promotion. Um, go ahead, Brie. I mean, I honestly hadn't seen anything until I can't remember who, but it was, you know, thankfully our group chat, that was when somebody put the link to the YouTube video in there or what have you. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's when I saw it. And then as far as the, the poster, I think, I mean, I, I saw it, I think, and I think, again, it was in our group chat. One of y'all put it in there. And I, you know, went on Twitter and I was like, I'm confused. Like, is this a romance? Is it women's fic? Like, you know, is it more about her journey than the romance per se? That's fine. Like, I'm cool with that, you know? And then the, I guess the writer who did the rewrite or just the writer in general, who is a writer that I think is safe to say we all love the movies that she's written for Hallmark. Um, came back and said, it is very much a romance, you know, please show up and, you know, enjoy it and support these actors. And it's like, you know, definitely going to do that. But I'm a little confused because this poster did not look like the rest of the posters for the lineup in this movie. Why is she by herself? (laughs) You know? And I just think that, I mean, we're all readers here. So coming from, you know, if, if, if a book has a cover that you're not interested in, you're going to walk by it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same thing with film. Like that is so much part of the packaging. Like you have a couple of seconds to have somebody decide if they're going to watch that movie or not. And this movie, the poster did not reflect that there was any kind of love story or anything involved in this, which it's like, okay, if I'm in the mood for her journey, her story, I will show up for that. But if you're wanting a romance, especially because it's in the it's the lineup for February it's like is that there like I just think the cover was so misleading I don't know what do you think Dory I have a lot of thoughts so the promo initially like the video promo really threw me for a loop it it was very, it felt very dramatic. It felt like there was kind of a lot of family drama and like this Nashville dynasty and, you know, talent not getting paid and all of this stuff. And I just, it threw me for a loop because like you mentioned, 
spree. Like there was no real hint of a romance. And like all of us are very much in this for the romance, you know? So I was very confused. And when it came to the post, like the still image, the poster promo, that confused me even more because the whole like trailer had been this like family drama saga stuff and then you look at this image and it's just her with some headphones and i don't think i saw her with headphones on in the movie at all (laughs) right she's not a musician so like that confused me too and i did not understand what i was going to get with this movie and it ended the movie ended up being I think completely different from both of those promo pieces. The movie Mm. like did not really give me the drama necessarily that I was expecting from the trailer. And there was some romance. So it would have been nice if the poster was the main couple. I understand why it wasn't because it very much was more about her journey and Mm -hmm. her kind of, uncovering a mystery essentially so i understand why the poster was kind of focused on her but what i totally agree with brie is that like this is february we got all of these great love you movies and so that's kind of what i expected for the mahogany movie and honestly that's what i wanted for the mahogany movie. that's what i wanted too i wanted the love story with a black couple like that's what i really wanted so i was very confused when this is what we got and this isn't to knock the movie because we're gonna get into it and i did enjoy it it just was not what i was expecting and i'm very confused about a lot of hallmark's kind of marketing choices with this movie uh what did you think jasmine i agree with you always i totally agree this has, like, from w- with the material that we have presented either through the group chats or what we saw online, it was definitely not coexisting, was not meeting. Um, it was, like, missed messages. Like, they were promoting one movie. They started, like, from one script, and then they started with another script, with another promo. Like, which is which? And mind you, we did see snap snapshots of behind the scenes of them doing um, promos together. Mm-hmm. Pictures, I'm like, they could have used that as part of the cover. And I'm like, man, like something or hold the record, you know, you know, the song on there. We could be like, oh, what's this? What's this about? Like, did they do a duet? Like, what's going on? That would have us more intrigued into the movie. But it definitely was um, no one did not sit down with each other. I felt like it had a conversation how to market this. And it was marketed very late in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Right. True. The week of the movie leading on compared to other um, Love You Wary movies where they're advertising for good two weeks straight, going hard. Yes, and I, I wanted, like, I, I'm so happy you said that, Jazz, because I was thinking about that before we hopped on and recorded. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, you can tell when Hallmark knows and believes they have a hit. If it's one of those Wedding Veil movies, you're hearing about it, like, a good month before the movie comes out. 100%. This one, if it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't even have known that it was coming. But like you said, it was like the week of that they really started boosting it. And on top of that, I definitely want to like make this known that why would you put this movie, the last movie, two days before ending Black History Month? But you're talking about Black History Month and pumping all the uh, mahogany movies out. Honestly, this should have been the first week this movie should have been aired. Yeah. And it aired 
Nikki and Andrew's um, uh, mystery movie, the third week, you know, we had Super Bowl the second week and the third week could have been like a fluke of catching up with other um, movies. But other than that, I'm like, this was bad planning poorly. And it's not even going against the cast or the crew who worked extremely hard on this film. It is behind the scenes and marketing style that really affected how this movie could have been a great film. Totally agree. I, and you like, you can't help but see all the, oh, all of the woke comments. And I'm sitting here like, baby, this is not it. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's been crazy online. I'm keeping it with y'all. It's been crazy online. Where I was over there crying through text messages with y'all. I was like, I can't. Like, this is like, what is happening? Like, yes, you have this movie with an all black cast, but let's actually dig into who wrote the movie. Like, like I shared with you all, like how mahogany is it when the script was originally by a white male writer and then it was rewritten by a white woman writer? Like how mahogany is mahogany? I was under the impression these stories were going to be by black writers. Maybe that's a misstep of mine. No, I think that, well, first, let me just say, I agree with you, ladies. I, I thought the promo was just so dramatic, and it made me not want to watch the movie. Agree, yes. Anne. Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I forgot to say that, that it oh, really made me not want to watch the movie, honestly. It just seemed like so much drama, and I have my own, you know, issues with um, trust and stuff in my life, so, like, the whole like legacy built on lies and like all this drama. I'm just like, I don't want to watch this. Like my life has enough drama. Like I don't need to like tune in and like get stuff, my own stuff stirred up by watching this. Um, Cause the promo was just so dramatic. Um, so it didn't make me want to watch the movie. And I think that you guys are right. The poster didn't align with, I mean, it was more her story, but just what she was doing in the poster, the colors, it just seems so happy and bright. And I wouldn't yes. describe this movie as happy and bright. So Yeah, no. I, I just, I don't, I think it, the promotion was just not aligned, like you guys said, with the, what, what the, actual movie, the movie actually was. Um, and so here, I'm going to read the description, the cast, the writers, the director, so we can talk about, you know, the people involved in this movie. Um, so the description was... Namia moves to Nashville to uncover secrets about an undiscovered music group starring Andrea Lewis, Pooch Hall, Stan Shaw, and Roz Ryan with cameos by Kurt Chambers and Ruben Stutter. Writers Randall Jansen and Nina Wyman, director Roger M. Bob. So these are the people involved in this movie. And um, yeah, I think that Mahogany misled us because I know that for me, like after Unthinkably Good Things, which had, you know, black cast, black director, black writer, I kind of was like, okay, you know, they're intentionally setting the tone with this movie because they're like, this is what Mahogany is. It's authentically black, celebrating black love, black people. And uh, so I stopped. I didn't. The next movies, I wasn't checking like the writer and the director. Same. Like yeah, that. same. Like, they've set a precedent. And so tell me um, what you think about that. Um, let's start with uh, Dory this time. I completely agree with you. I was under the impression that because, I mean, from the announcement, honestly that they were going to do this series of mahogany movies. I was, I was under the impression that these were going to be black stories written by black writers, you know, and that 
there would be an emphasis on you know casting black talent and i was hoping that black directors would be involved i was hoping that there would be a push for black crew members like that was the impression i got from the because there was so much hype and build up around this announcement right and like okay. hallmark had been has been battling these you know complaints and frustrations about their lack of diversity for years and so i felt that they were really gonna like come out with a bang with this series and kind of like answer to their critics and exactly. it hasn't felt like that you know from i mean it has slowly lost momentum in my mind ever since unthinkably good things and it's i mean it makes me sad and it really disappoints me to be honest so from what we know, right, correct me if I'm wrong, we have unthinkably good things and the holiday stocking were both written by a black writer. Is that right? Correct. And then to her with love was not. And now this one was not. I, you know, my husband's an aspiring screenwriter and he's tried to like break it down to me. Like at, at the end of the day, it's a business. If you're writing a script, you don't really care who picks it up. You just somebody picked up my script. I'm getting my check. I've moved on. But I think it's important. I think we should share like it's important to us, right? Like I once we had that conversation where it kind of came out where we all like did the research and we were like, wait a minute. This is not like, you know, a couple of these movies have not had black writers behind the scene. Luckily, you know, for this one, Nashville Legacy, the director was black. Mm -hmm. So that's that was good news. But I just... When we when we had that conversation, it's like when you thought back to unthinkably good things and you thought back to the holiday stocking, there were moments in those movies that you could feel a right. black writer wrote this. Right. Yeah. And when when we when you thought I know in my case, when I thought back to her with love, loved the movie. But I was like, I didn't have that same feeling with those two movies. Right. And with this one, I, I, I'm conflicted because there's so much history in this this movie um that it, it the feeling is like oh man I, I i can tell that whoever wrote it really did did their they work were, did their yeah, research they did oh, their yeah, research definitely. but even still i don't know I, I i could see that this was once written as something else and then someone came in and changed it it but it still didn't have those moments of like unthinkably good things or the holiday stocking the, those few moments where somebody says something or whatever that you're like a black writer wrote this, you know, like yeah. I think in unthinkably good things, it was that moment where she says something along the lines of um, I've always had to work twice as hard or whatever, you know, she's like a professor. Right. And we watched it and we were like, I know what she's talking about. I didn't really have that moment with this movie. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, Absolutely. It okay. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, what do you think, um, Jasmine? About the writers, the cast, the everything. Um, it definitely is alarming. Like, we understand it is a business. I agree with you ladies wholeheartedly. I feel like if they were really trying to push, you know, Black writers, Black directors, at least pair the writers with someone who is their counterpart, at least. And, you know, say, okay, we do have a Black writer on this, uh, on this movie, on this film. But also we have someone coming in for any type of, you know, cleanup or any type of rewrites or any type of working together as a partnership in that sense. 
because right now is it the fourth film? Right now I'm looking at a at a two, you know, black writer, I'm looking at two white writers and not knocking it, but I'm looking at like how they're doing their formula with these movies. Are they just the scrap mm-hmm. movies that you know we're picking up trying to dust off and Yes, you know, yes. It yeah. shouldn't be that way. We should be having these authentic writing movies. It could be funny movies, it could be dramatic movies. Give us everything in between. Like we're right. here for the content, but you gotta produce these content and listen to the fans, listen to your uh watch viewers. Like we're seeing these movies, but you gotta hear us. Like get us right. in get us in a focus group. We're here. Ho, ho, ho. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcasts, especially at Christmas? Do you enjoy the holiday previews, recaps, interviews, and bonus episodes? If the answer is yes, please consider supporting the Hallmarkies Patreon. We need your help to do what we do both during the Christmas season and all year round. But not only do you help a podcast led by strong, independent women by becoming a Patreon, you get to become a part of the Hallmarkies family. Starting at only $2 a month as a patron, you will have access to our Facebook Patreon group where we talk about the movies, shows, and more all year. We also have many monthly patron watch-alongs with guests like Lacey Chabert, Natalie Hall, Paul Campbell, Mary Lou Henner, and more, giving their behind-the-scenes details of their films. As a patron, you also have the chance to provide input into the podcast and even join us at different tiers. So this Christmas season, spread some cheer to the Hallmarkies Patreon and become a member today. You won't regret it. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies to learn more. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. And that's kind of what the, like the conversation that we had, you know, I was just like, wow, like there's probably so many people, you know, like my partner who... You, I mean, Hollywood, New York, whatever, I hear screenwriting is just as hard to get into as becoming an actor. But I know that there are some black screenwriters you could have had on board to do this, you know? I (laughs) I mean, I'm going to tell you a real issue I've had because I'm sure that the the party line, you know, at Hallmark would be, well, we just we couldn't find a black writer to do this or we couldn't find a script from a black writer that we thought would work, you know? And I just don't buy that. And I also feel like there's a real opportunity here. Hallmark churns out more movies than any network. It has to every year between Christmas and the rest of the year. There are so many movies that they produce yeah, every weekend, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Why isn't there some kind of diversity program or initiative for writers? Why aren't yeah. you nurturing this talent? Why aren't you giving them the opportunity to become Hallmark writers? Then they're in the Hallmark world and they can be the ones who are helping do rewrites and they can be the ones who are helping to come up with your mahogany movies and other movies. Right. And I've never understood why if the talent, if the excuse is the talent's not there, like the writers aren't there then why don't you use your resources and your success and your incredible platform to nurture writers so that there are more writers? Like, I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity because they make so many movies. We're not talking about a network that only puts out 10 movies a year. It's every weekend. Every weekend. 
Like yeah. there and, and sometimes of the year, multiple movies in that weekend. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just thinking like Hallmark Channel. Why aren't we doing stuff on Hallmark, more stuff on Hallmark movies and mysteries, stuff yes. on Hallmark drama? You have three networks and tons of opportunities to help black writers, writers of color, women writers. Like, why aren't we doing these things? Yeah. Because I'm I'm just tired of the excuse that, you know, oh, we couldn't, you know, there just aren't that many black writers who are doing this. That That is BS. Like, it, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely not an excuse because it's just, that's just not, that's just not true. Um, because this, in this case, in the movie, in the case of this movie, it really makes me wonder, what was the original script about? Thank you. Like, <laughs> okay, like, mind you, remember the text that we were texting about? Like my concept, of what I thought the movie was. I thought about two grandfathers start the business, and then somehow the grandfather died, and the granddaughter found out that he's connected to the, you know, the record company, and she's trying to get her justice about her father, her grandfather's legacy. Why is it not, you know, known? Like that's that's how I thought it was. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it just. I mean. Knowing that Nina came in, and, and no shade to Nina, like she's a great writer, and everything that she's written that I know that I knew she was behind, you know, was great. And I think that she did a great job. I, I ended up enjoying the movie, you know, so I can't, I have to put that out there. But like, I just wonder what was it originally about? I don't think it was originally about, you know, the African American, you know, Museum of Music History in Nashville. Like, I just wonder. I, it just, makes me question what was it originally about yeah that's a good question mm-hmm. i do wonder what um what the original script what that looked like the plot the main points of it um yeah the yeah if the people were white like yeah what just what what it was um and i guess uh, i guess only those two will ever know i know isn't that the thing like what i wouldn't give to be a fly on that wall like where a lot of these decisions are being made and discussed because there's we can only infer a lot of things and so we don't we don't know the inner workings and what's going on we can only make judgments based on what we see and I I would love to know kind of what's going on behind the scenes because and the interesting these- thing just hearing you say that is like and I know we've all probably seen it between Twitter and Facebook or whatever but like Hallmark still catches a lot of slack like I I can't remember what I was it was on Twitter and somebody was like I still miss the Hallmark days of Abbott being in charge and I'm like bro Dang. how much has it really changed <laughs> occasionally we have a gay couple like get over yourself. We get one black movie every couple months. Chill out. The last week of Black History (laughs) Month. I'm like, how much (laughs) has it really changed? Not much. (laughs) Let's celebrate Black History Month on February 26th. I will never get over that. (laughs) That was really bad. That was a choice. Okay. That was a choice. (laughs) A whole choice story. A whole choice. Like I said, it should have been the first week the first weekend when everything was, you know, picking up that first weekend. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Come celebrate Black History Month on February 26th. I'll never get over it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, somebody really dropped the ball on this. Yes. Whole, <laughs> this whole 
date picking, there was a ball dropped, and I don't know if they realized how bad it was, but it was it was really bad. Yeah, somebody really messed up um, choosing some of this some of this stuff. Um, yep. Well, my favorite part of the movie was Namia and Damien, and you know their moments and conversations and their little dates. Um, banter, which Nina writes good banter, and there mm-hmm. was some of that, especially the beginning. So tell me, like, you know, what about their chemistry, Andrea and Puchal's chemistry? Like, what do you think about their chemistry and about, like, their characters and, like, the date moments that, um, you know, we got in the movie? Um, what did you think about these two, Jasmine? It's just a meet cue for me. I'm just thinking back the first time I seen these actors, like, you know, Andrea Lou, I seen her play Hazel on Degrassi. Like, that, that was my girl. And then the first time seeing Pooch Hall, mind you, they both had their, like, shows going on, on the same network, um, watching it on the end, which is Teen Nick now. Because uh, Pooch Hall, he actually was in the drama series called uh, Miracle Boys. Just seeing them on camera together for the first time, their chemistry was just magical. I'm sitting here watching, like, I'm just having, like, Alicia Key's song, Teenage Love Affair in my head, like, you know, their first meet cue and just... It was it felt it felt natural to me. It felt like, man, I'm like, like you know, when they, you know we asked her for the number, I'm, she was like, no. I was like, ooh, okay. I was like, I'm I'm, I'm here for maybe on campus again. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I'm like, I'm here for this connection. They were it was just genuine. It wasn't like forced on us. It was just like just bringing their, their you know their history of like music together, trying to challenge each other, like you know having the kids kind of instigate, like ooh, like. I was just loving it. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think, Abri, about these two? The what we got from them? I mean, I thought it was, I thought their chemistry was great. I, I don't know. I, I would have liked to have seen, I guess, everything that was going on kind of overshadowed it a little bit for me at times. Like I was just so, you become so invested in the re you know, the, the investigating that she's doing and, and, you know, he's helping her out and, you know, he also has this larger than life. I felt like his dad reminded me of Smokey Robinson or something, but like this larger than life father, right? Like I, there came, when we had those moments of them, just two like people hanging out in the diner or whatever, I thought it was really cute, but I just felt like, everything that was going on, I think overshadowed it. Like at times I tended to forget that there was like a blooming romance between mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I, I, I do agree. Um, Dory, what do you think? I loved them together, but I thought the romance storyline was rushed. And I thought that it was, um, I wanted more, I think. Because they truly went from that meet cute, which I loved when she corrects him on the tour (laughs) of the museum. I loved that. They went from that to them having that dinner and talking about how strong their connection was and how, you know, you can't, it's fate and all of these things. And I'm like, it's been a week. (laughs) And and we've barely seen y'all together. And... Yeah. But they had to do that because they were fitting, they had to fit so much into this movie, you know, like they needed to be a couple to then go solve this mystery. And she had to get to know his family and all the things. 
So I see why they had to do it. But I, I just think that as someone who really wanted a romance for this movie, it just felt a little lacking to me. But I thought the performances were great. I thought they were both really funny and really cute together. But yeah, it just felt really, it felt really rushed. I felt yeah. like we didn't get to kind of see them get to know each other, if you know what I mean. Do you feel like if it was like a second chance romance, it's like something where there was 100%. already built in chemistry, it would have worked. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or if they had like known Agreed. each other from school, from their childhoods. I totally agree, Brie. Like they needed, but for her to literally, it was her first day at the museum. And then, you know, that makes sense. that week, <laughs> they're like, you can't fight this chemistry. You can't fight this connection, you know? Yeah. I I really liked these two together. I thought the actors, Andrea and Pooch Hall, were really great. They had good chemistry. Um, I just liked what they brought to their characters. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I liked, like, their little, you know, go get pie after the event and, you know, go to, you know, Broadway downtown Nashville, which, you know, I just lived there for seven years. So I liked that they showed downtown Nashville because uh, I was like, this is, she's really walking downtown Nashville and this is what the vibe of a pl- inside of a place. At, on and Broadway. they went line dancing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I loved that moment. That was my favorite moment. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was so cute. I loved it too. I loved it too. It was definitely the most fun moment because I yes. do feel like this movie, which I can understand to other people or just to anyone, how it would be slower or maybe because, you know, they're really just walking and talking, like walking and talking to different people. You know, that moment was one of the only moments where they're actually like doing something fun. Yeah. And, you know, for me personally, those are the moments I like. I like when they do a whole bunch of little fun activities together. And so it is a more slow movie because, you know, they're just really walking back and forth, talking to different people about this huge thing that they're trying to uncover and figure out what happened um, for her grandmother. And so the first hour was definitely my favorite because like about the 57th minute, that's when the conflict comes in and then everything just gets very serious and not fun (laughs) and uh, just for me personally. So I think that the first hour when they were were doing stuff together, that was definitely um, better, I guess, to me or my favorite part because the conflict is uh, a lot. Yeah, which we're going to get into. But I do want to talk about the, you know, they use the real new um, National Museum of African American Music in um, in the movie, which, you know, is really in Nashville. So what do you guys think about, you know, the museum scenes and kind of what we saw and even how the conflict, you know, came in with the museum? Do mm-hmm. you think that that makes the museum look bad and say use the real name? Or do you think it doesn't matter? It's just cool they use the real museum? Or, you know, what do you think about that, um, Brie? I loved uh, I loved that they showed the real museum. I hope people that go to Nashville go on downtown and go down there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've never really, like, been to Nashville. Like, I've driven through it. And when I think of like, you know, she was so in love with girl groups, you know, I think of girl groups from the 60s and 50s. And like, I'm I'm always so stuck on Motown. Right. And like and I I lived in Memphis in high school. So I think of like the, the music scene there. I tend to forget about like 
us and our culture in Nashville as well. So I personally really appreciated um, yeah. spotlighting the history, the footprint that we've left in that city. Because when you think of Nashville, you think, you know, you think of like big white country stars, but it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we've been yeah. there too, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you think, Jasmine, about the museum? The I thought this was so important that they showed the Royal Museum instead of a fake museum because the museum has been up for, you know, what I think got built right before the pandemic. So I'm telling myself, I need to go to Nashville. Mind you, I've never been to Nashville. Like, that's on my bucket list. You know, those, yeah. you know, all the great, you know, like you see the Grand Ole Perry, see all these different places, but to see and have that museum is so important because black art, especially black blues, country artists, jazz, you name it, has been a part of the music genre for decades, for eons. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to highlight that because there are country artists who are black, who are, you know, Hispanic, indigenous um, artists who are out there trying to make their way into Nashville. And it's very important for anybody to know their history in music. If you're going to be in that, in these genres to know where these artists find their inspiration from and important yeah. to highlight the unsung heroes. And I, think that I love cool. that they had a black country singer when they we'll were talk about that later, sis, because we girl. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. yes. What'd you think, Dory? Um, I loved that aspect of the movie. That might have been my favorite aspect, actually, was all of the um, museum. I loved all the museum scenes. As usual, when one of these movies takes place in museum, I want more of the museum. But then I understand <laughs> that they can't just take us on a full tour of the museum right? because people need to go visit. So I get it. But I'm always Do a little mad because I want to see more. Yeah. So I loved that aspect. I loved that she was getting her PhD in what was it? Ethnomusicology. I yes. loved that they talked about the history of, you know, the black influences in jazz and blues and country music. And, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up, my dad was a huge music lover. And so, and he loved the blues. Like that was his thing. He loved the blues. So I grew up listening to a lot of blues music and like old country and yes, old school yes. country yes old school country you know like oh george jones and charlie pride and all the things and patsy Cline. and patsy klein of course yes. you know and he like that was just such a part of my life growing up and he loved jazz too so that part of the movie really had my heart. It really made me want to go check out the museum. I've been to Nashville and I love it. It's honestly one of my favorite cities in the U.S. It's I think it's so fun. And for me, it was really unexpected because when I went. I thought it was just a country music town and like, that's it. And there's just so much more there. And I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'm glad that they highlighted the museum and I and I don't think I don't think hopefully there will be no negative blowback on the museum. They didn't do anything. Yeah. It was all for a movie. It was made up. Mm -hmm. Everyone go visit. I Thank know. you. <laughs> it was Look, how many movies have we done at freaking Graceland? Get over yourselves, people. OK, in the Graceland like. <laughs> and as someone who has lived in Memphis, Graceland is not 
in a safe neighborhood. So Ooh, nobody just I've goes to Graceland. <laughs> it is literally. <laughs> I did that meme in my head about you know the the boy going through like the park. Like, I'm in the ghetto. Ratatata. Going to Graceland in the ghetto. <laughs> it is not in a nice neighborhood, people. Sorry. No, I remember we were driving up because my parents and I went to the Hallmark event just like in I guess it was 2019. And I remember we were driving up and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to see Graceland in like three minutes on the GPS. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like very great. <laughs> and then you see Graceland and then you see like this huge like center they've built. But I mean, because they just built it where the house was, you know, across from the house. But it's like, yeah, it's not like a safe or like, you know, <laughs> tiny, pretty sparkling, you know, neighborhood or part of town. So. <laughs> so if we can, you know, if we can have all these Graceland movies, we can do one at the museum in Nashville. <laughs> Chill you. out, people. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I think it's really cool that they did, um, you know, show uh, show the museum and, you know, show us inside the museum and um, just, you know, her volunteering there as, you know, an aspect to. Um, and I think it's just cool. Cause yeah, I didn't get to see it when I, before I left. Cause it was like, it came right for the pandemic. And then I was having a whole bunch of stuff going on in my life. And then I was, then I had to prepare to move here. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't get to go. Um, so I hope when I go back to visit, I'll be able to go. Um, but well, I thought it was really a road cool. trip. <laughs> I know that would be so fun. Cause Nashville is an amazing city. It's yeah, fun. It's it's full of music and food. I want to eat the food. <laughs> great. So, um, but I thought it was cool that they did show it in the movie. I, I mean, yeah, it's a movie. So we just have to remember like, because the whole conflict, you know, he's a big, you know, contributor to this museum, but obviously that's not a real thing. And we just mm-hmm. have to separate that from, you know, from, from the real museum. But I thought mm-hmm. it was cool to, to see, to see that. So that was definitely a good part. Oh, in the movie, you know, there is this conflict because, oh my gosh, now I forgot his name. I know Jasmine remembers his name. Oh, Mr. Jasmine. Barry. Mr. Uh, Mr. Barry. Call? No, the, the guy, Damn. the security guy. At, the security guy at the... Oh, Reggie. He, Reggie. Okay, Reggie. So Reggie kind of plants this bug in... Namia's ear about this this group, you know, the Daffodil Girls. And so then she just, you know, she just can't let it go. And then she just starts, you know, discovering more stuff. You know, she starts asking questions and getting, you know, kind of this rumors and kind of like, oh, well, you could find more information from this person or from this archive. You know, then she sees, you know, a picture and she sees, oh my gosh, Roz Ryan, uh, what was her name in the movie? Oh, Olivia. 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 And she sees, you know, Olivia in the picture. So then she wants to talk to Olivia and, um, you know, we're kind of, you know, she goes back to talk to her about three times because she does not want to talk about it because I'm sure she's, you know, at that point signed some kind of thing saying she couldn't talk about it. Um, and you know, she doesn't want to dredge up all this stuff. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, thankfully I am glad they at least saved us. Uh, Nina saved us at least by having Damien tell, Namia earlier in the movie that you know he that was his dad that was his dad or that Mr. Barry Hall was his dad because yeah. I think that just would have been way worse if she found out you know oh this is your dad and you know this crazy thing he was involved in knew about happened so I was glad that at least that part of the conflict was you know earlier and it wasn't blown up out of proportion or anything right um, that was some drama. But, yeah it was already enough drama going on 
So, and then we have a twist in the conflict. Um, <laughs> just like, uh, so obviously this was my worst part of the movie. I The whole movie, I'm just waiting for the legacy built on lies, just blaring in my head. I'm just waiting for this grenade to just go off. And so I'm just like not, like impending doom over my head as I'm watching it. But, um, you know. Which what is if- thanks to the promo. Thanks to the promo, guys. Thanks to the promo. It's just like going in my head. Legacy built on lies. I'm like, what did he do? Who did he not play? That plot twist, I was not expecting at all. But when they showed the plot twist, I was like, it made sense. Mm. (laughs) Why do you say that? Because especially back in that era, especially in like the the, the 50s, 60s, going in the 70s, especially if you are a church going, you know, especially you... If you're like going to church, you can't listen to that secular music. You know, you hear our grandparents, you know, growing up, or your parents, like, you can't listen to that secular music. Yeah. That, that, that's the devil's music. And you got in trouble for that, too. Yeah. So I'm like, when it made that connection, I'm like, wow, that was what I was not expecting at all. Mm. I really thought that he really, that Barry really did them really dirty. But he kind of really did because that whole NDA situation happened with the parents and stuff. But he could have gave them some credit. And also, I really thought in my heart, in my soul, that the third daffodil was Barry's ex-wife. I'm very upset that did not happen. Oh. <laughs> is, is that where you were going with this, Anne? I was going with that during this whole mystery. Like, because you never have to see David's mother, because remember they got divorced. Mm, you know, he, yeah. So I'm thinking like, maybe the third daffodil is his mom. And his poor stepmom was just somebody thrown into the script. Bless her heart. Bless her heart, White woman. And then I'm like, oh, this is like the stepmom. I, was like, oh. I thought she was a secretary. I thought she was, yeah. I thought like. Well, I thought, was he supposed to be mixed at first? I'm like, oh, okay. I like yeah. this. And then he calls her Priscilla. I'm like, okay, Elvis. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> We could have gave her something more. Like she just was there. Yeah, <laughs> we never was... saw them together. Like we never, never saw <laughs> the stepmom and the dad together. He's yeah. right there, you know. Come on, give Priscilla can... some agency. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I was going with all that is, you know, what did you think about this conflict? How it was handled? How it, you know, takes parts of you know history that you know really did happen. Um, to, I'm sure, several, you know, different people, maybe that, you know, in different ways where they weren't paid, you know, their royalties or they weren't paid a, a correct wage or a good wage for what they were actually doing. Mm, yeah. But where people were really, truly mis, um, mistreated and mis, you know, led and misguided and that kind of thing, uh, especially in that time. What did you think about the conflict they chose and how they executed it and the twist? I can come back to Jasmine if you want to say some more, but um. yeah, come back to me, girl. Come back. Okay, okay. We know Jazz. <laughs> Let Dory go first. Dory, you. Go first. Like I said, Dory. Yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> I got to get my life together. Because I get was your like, thoughts together. what? What? I know. <laughs> um, it really made me think about just all the musicians over time who haven't gotten their due right yeah. like there i'm sure there are so many stories like this of like um chuck berry passed away broke you know right right and you just think of all these people who have so much talent and passion and for tons of reasons never make it and i think that i loved her kind of 
dissertation topic of, you know, the Mm. inequity there and how girl groups were all the rage and had all these hits. And meanwhile, they weren't getting paid what they were, you know, worth. And they often got signed into these really horrible contracts that would exploit them. And I think that that, I mean, I think that that is still happening in music today, right? We still hear stories today about artists being exploited. So I did think that that was an interesting conflict on its face. I think in the movie, it did not work for me because he did not do right by them until two of the original daffodils were dead. and. That really bothered me, you know, I, the whole time I was just thinking y'all have really kept this secret for decades. Like your, your fathers who objected to this are long gone. Exactly. Yeah. And you're still refusing to talk about it, pretending like you don't know, you know, that, you know, just pretending that like, this is just a rumor that has been going on when it's clearly very traumatic. Like, I didn't buy it. I mean, mm. Barry Hall at at this point in his career, I mean, from from what we heard in the movie, he became very successful very fast. I just, I mean, what were their fathers going to do <laughs> to him at yeah. that point after he right. had gained all this success? I mean, and what would it have hurt to give them some extra money to dude you gave him five hundred dollars i know and it just that the conflict why the the fact that it was kept a secret for so long is what didn't work for me i can understand all the things these were teenage girls you know their fathers still would have to you know they're in the church their fathers would still have to like sign off on them doing any work you know they were minors i'm sure so i understand how it's became a conflict Mm -hmm. and even became a secret but not for this long and after he had all of this other success it's like okay yes that this was that one song where all of this drama happened but you've had all this other success too like no one's gonna think that your legacy is built fully on lies especially if you do right by this group like i just don't i didn't buy it i just didn't buy it yeah, I really agree. Um, Bree? I I agree. I think I was thinking because a lot of times, you know, I'll be ready to riot. And then I'm like, you're coming at this from a 2023 very privileged person. <laughs> right? I have to remind myself times are different. But yeah, there was something that just that didn't. I felt like that moment when the dads walked in, I totally get it. Like they are three young black girls in the South in the sixties, you know, clearly teenage girls in this room full of grown men did not need to be there, but you know, have beautiful voices, beautiful voices were beautiful as a group. That moment just, it was a little underwhelming for me, but at the same time, I'm just like, it kind of also reminds me that how we cannot be put into a box just because my parents always let me listen to whatever I wanted. (laughs) 
I, I know that's not the case for every other black girl, you know, and especially, I guess, in different times. And Jazz, like you said, like, you, people didn't want their girls watching Elvis. Like, they used to film him from, like, the waist up because, you know, he used to do his hips and stuff. I mean, but I never really have heard, and none of my family has ever been like, you can't watch this, you can't read this, you know, mm -hmm. or you can't listen to this. So that part was just a little weird for me but also i was not a young black girl in the south in the 60s with with like we're going to church every weekend parents so i tried to keep that in mind but like dory said i think the fee and I, I thought a lot the fear of a powerful man just kind of transcends time because like she said like why would you keep this secret for so long eventually you get grown <laughs> come out and mm -hmm. say that's really me on there but like right. the fear of a man with money and then i also think in our community we don't want to be haters like we don't want to hate on this person that came right up. but like right. it is your voice on the track it wouldn't and exist he, if yes. it weren't for you yes exactly so i don't know it 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 did like you said it did a lot of important things i wholeheartedly like believe that like yeah there's it probably definitely still happens. We know for sure it happened way more than unfortunately it should have back in the day, back when, you know, people didn't have the access to resources and things that we do now. But it, it just, it didn't hit, I think, like it intended to in this movie. I know. And I agree with you that like, I understood Olivia's silence more than I understood Barry Hall's silence he because he didn't really do it <laughs> wasn't right. that bad of right and like i really do feel like the onus was on him as a man with power yes. to fix that situation yes like yeah. he had all the resources money connections power to fix that and he didn't and I mean, right. listen, I guess that's a tale as, as old as time, too. Yeah. So, you know Ooh, what? <laughs> Maybe it makes perfect sense. Now that the words are coming out of my mouth, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Happens every day, you know? Sure do. Yeah. Jasmine? So, I'm going to stand by my first statement, what I made earlier. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you ladies wholeheartedly. But, no, this happens every day. Like, I was joking about it earlier. If, you know, this movie basically... If Motown and Dreamgirls had a baby, it is a, it is a Nashville legacy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how it is. Like, it happens every day. Like, well, when we were talking about how, like, how the how the cup girls were singing over the Daffodil song. No shade of J-Lo, though, but, sis, you know that was just stealing me on that one song. And it's shouting on those tracks. You were over Play. there singing. Come on. Yes. It happens every day. Like, groups, like, different songs are being recorded by our other counterparts to get more money because how they're marketed. Like these things happen every day, but it was just shady how it, how these things happen in real life where on their deathbed or going towards the end of their life. I want to do right by them. I thought they should, he should have been done right by them a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I was really sad that two to three or more passed away before getting their dues. Like this happens a lot and it's just, yeah. it's just wrong. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And at the end of the day, it's like, we gotta do better, especially in the music industry. Like, especially for women as well get these women especially these backup singers give them their um their due diligence give them their monies and like really give them some credit because right now they're still fighting for their credits still probably to this day fighting for their masters like even though some male, males are but especially women who are the backbone who are doing vocals 
doing the writing. Oh my like, gosh, y'all know that um that Jamaican sister Nancy. What bum 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 bum? She she didn't know. Like you know how many times you've heard that song in a movie. She mm-hmm. didn't know it was being used like that until oh, like a couple of years not. ago, and she's still living. You know, so like y'all, like you said, Jazz, like still very much happens. You know, like like literally, like like for instance, like I got you no know, during the pandemic back in my country, like because actually, fun fact, I actually had a great great uncle. He passed away like back in two thousand four, but he actually was a um, country artist and a cowboy. Actually, his name is Andy Midnight Cowboy Rogers. He actually has a Wikipedia page, by the way, you guys. That's awesome, <laughs> legit, legit. But it kind of made me think of like, I love you know, a cowboy. He, he did independent though but it made me think of this one artist that that um Reese Palmer she's actually a country a black country artist her she has a podcast called color uh, me country podcast is based off a self-titled album by Linda Martell she's like the first black female country artist but they named her they nicknamed her like the first um female negro country artist back in like the late 60s early 70s coming around the time you know Charlie Pride was coming up and she got blackballed in the industry because, you know, even though she had a chance on her in the industry, she was still getting the racial calls, all this different stuff. But they wouldn't try, they were trying to backball her because of like money issues, stuff like that. But no one heard about her until other country artists were lifting her up. Like she, like, you know, even if you like listen to see other country artists talking about these individuals, like you see the big guidance out there, you see, you know, you know. Everybody else who's coming up, like the Kane Browns, you know, the Jimmy Allens, like they're uplifting these country artists who are not getting their due diligence. And finally, she got an award, like, was it two years ago for being, I guess, for the uh, Equity Play Award for Country Music Awards. My music 51 years after she quit the business for the for the blackball. And this woman could have been a great asset to country music, but during the you know, monopoly of it all during the money, during, you know, the racial tension during that time, especially as a female, she played at the Grand Ole Opry, the first black um, country artist. Like this, and you're wondering why, why do we need to know this history? Why do we need to know this? Why is there this conflict? Because these, these unsung heroes need to be heard. Yeah. And what about their legacy? Everybody's legacy is very important. It doesn't matter how small it is, you know, how big it is. They make, key place of what it is today it matters yeah and what did you think of the conflict you tell us what you thought of it girl i mean i think i think that promo just really messed me up true yeah i was so convinced that his dad was the main person in the wrong and i cannot stand a prideful person I even tweeted and Nina responded to me. She's like, everything is not as it seems. Cause I said, Mr. Barry Hall, lower your pride. When he was like in the office with her mm-hmm. and he was like, you need to like stay out of this business and you're, you know, you're going to mess up years. Let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, I'm like, no, that is not what you do. She has to find the root of this and she needs to, these people deserve to, to be, to be seen and to be heard and to be known what they did. And so I, I kind of felt like it almost felt like a cop out to me because I was like, I just knew that he was the one who did something. And so then when it was like really like another man's pride, um, these pastors, whatever, you know, that they're the ones, you know, saying like, you know, you can't, you know, do this for our, for our daughters because, you know, they're underage and 
we're making sure this shuts down and doesn't happen. Um, and I just, I just didn't like it. I think it is, I think the one good thing is I think it does help us remember and highlight that we're in a very different time and things are not how they were. And that many people were, as I said before, like mis misguided, mistreated and not paid the, what they were owed or what they should have been paid or how they should have been treated. Yeah. I think that was a good reminder, but it just, it was not what I was looking for in this movie. I wanted something romantic and sweet and fun. And that is not what this movie was. So yeah. I just didn't, I just, I wanted something completely different than this movie. Yeah. And I think um, of like why they, they didn't say anything eventually, but I, you think about it, like music changes so fast, right? Yeah. You know, the, the sound of the sixties, was only like doo-wop-ish I think for a little bit and then you know you when you think of the 60s you're thinking of like rock and roll and you know right. Woodstock and stuff and, like that yeah. and the Beatles mania so it just it changes so fast and especially during that time I think the sound that the the, the ladies had was kind of phasing out I mean you think of that their hit you know that's something you think of like the 50s and the 40s you know so it was like phasing out so they were probably just like the time is done you know is it even worth pursuing not thinking years later it's still going to be a hit it's still going to be a classic mm -hmm. it's still going to be worth making you know making money off of so mm -hmm. and I think the Dory I didn't think about that the way Dory the way you said that that makes so much sense like it's like well I mean I fit I, I wanted him to say it way earlier but it's like yeah they were underage so like when they became whatever the age was at that time Right, eight twenty, whatever. I don't know if it was eighteen. Should have done there. something. But, you know, Do what, right by them. Time, yeah, that time he should have said, you know, the women, the girls were underage, but everyone needs to know that they're the ones on this record. They were the ones who sang this song, and you know, this is what happened. Because yeah, like it's like he tried to cover himself real well by giving out these scholarships and paying for you know her restaurant and you know letting. Namia, you know, end up writing this whole book, tell all, explaining everything. And that's all well, fine, good. But it's like a day late and a dollar short. Like, this is so long ago. Two like, of the girls right. are gone. Two, yeah. of the, yes. like, two of, two of the women are, are dead. Gone. Like, this is like just way too late. And so I can see what they tried to like make up for it. But it's like, it, it's just, he should have said something way, you know, way, way, way earlier so they could get those royalties. and be alive and, you know, be able to be recognized for their song that people, people really took to people really enjoyed. Um, and can I, can I say one more thing about yeah, yeah. exploitation? So I'm going to say this, pay Thank your you. interns. Okay. Yes. <laughs> because well, yes. that whole unpaid intern thing just really had me angry That's because true. It, there's just it's unacceptable to it is unacceptable to do that in this day and age in my mind and I think it's very interesting because you can see how a family how a black family can fall behind in life as far as wealth legacy because you look at her grandmother, right? Who was in this girl group, never got her due, never got any money. That could have potentially changed the trajectory of her life and her family's life forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And yeah. 
then her daughter and her daughter's daughter wouldn't be struggling you know it's made very clear throughout the movie that she does not have a lot of money this is an unpaid internship she's trying to work and hustle right and girl you're getting a doctorate they are not cheap they are not (laughs) cheap either but i was just like as i was watching this i was like this is how generation after generation of people like don't get can't get ahead we have this grandmother who got essentially cheated out of everything she could have potentially earned for -hmm. circumstances that were beyond her control and then we've got her daughter or her granddaughter who still has to hustle and work for no money even though she's brilliant and gifted and talented and listen i could go on a real rant about this but i'm just gonna say pay your interns pay people what they are worth because this is how people fall behind right because had her mother or grandmother had all that money and could have passed it down to generation to generation, right? It wouldn't be such a big deal that she wasn't doing an unpaid internship. That's who unpaid internships don't affect people who have money to still live without getting paid. Mm -hmm. But that's not an option for so many people who need to work and need to make money. And so those awesome opportunities that are unpaid go to people who can afford it. And I mean, it just, oh, it had me so annoyed every time she mentioned being an unpaid intern. I'm like, pay this girl, pay her. She can't, she's worried about pinching pennies. She doesn't even want to like buy lunch, you know? She's like, "Mm, I don't know if I can afford this pie. It just really bothered me. Mm -hmm. I was like, please pay your interns. I think the, the beautiful, I think part of it, I was thinking as you were talking was, in the end, and like Na- Naima, I want to say Andrea because that's her name. Naima, <laughs> the character, you know, was their champion, and she kind of she did give them the happy ending, even though two of them were gone. And like you said, like if her if her grandmother, if if things would have worked out different, she wouldn't have to hustle so hard. And it's like, in a way, she does get that. It it shouldn't have taken. It just to took two to generations that, and that right. bothers me. <laughs> right. Right. You know? So this like is in how a people way- fall behind. Like I I totally agree. I love that she wrote the book in the end. Mm-hmm. I loved that scene. But it also kind of was like a knife to the heart because how yeah. many of us are trying to like do generation, you know, do the work of turning, yeah. of changing things for generations, yeah. you know, undo the work, <laughs> undo. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And also we were cheated out of a kiss at the end of this movie, right? Y'all Tell me about it. it. Tell I thought me I about it. it. Wow. Was a kiss at the end of this movie. We got a I halfway guess. movie kiss, and that was okay, y'all. I thought for real, I thought I was crazy. I'm like, I did too. Y'all too. are gonna talk about the end of the movie kiss, and I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, I saw it. No, and I didn't. Okay. So I gotta believe it. Didn't I was do like, it. It's over. I was like, let me make sure, like, make sure I didn't miss something, like miss the proposal, quick kiss. Here's I needed him to like go on that stage and give her a kiss, like congratulations, something. baby, you did it, like awkward ending like literally because i was like crying throughout the last part like the whole like five minute scene about like the war ceremony of the books that i totally did not see a kiss i'm like wait a minute 
Did they really kiss or did I not kiss? I'm over here in mm-hmm. tears. I can't see. Look, like Dory oh. said earlier, that was a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was, was a, a choice. choice. That was a horrible choice. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, I can't believe we only had like one kiss in this entire movie. Yeah. It and it was rushed. That rushed sure diner kiss does not count. I kept waiting for a second kiss. I know. Cause I, that first kiss, it was juicy. I was like, oh, like, is there going to be more? You like, thought we were getting another one at the end, and you did not. Yeah. <laughs> That's how robbed. That was robbed. from us. Okay, I have to just say, I know we usually talk like one fashion moment of the movie, but I didn't really have one. You didn't like any of the stuff that that much. No. Did y'all? I like the dress. The red, the, the, the red, the red dress, dress was cute. I like yeah. that one that yeah, Olivia had worn. Sparkly dresses. I thought that she looked good in both of them. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that T-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Everyone was like gold and black, I think. She's just such a beautiful, she's so beautiful. I was like, I don't feel like they picked anything that felt her. I know. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think about her hair or about just the hair in the movie? I guess mostly it'd be her because loved her hair. Oh yes, besides loved her hair. Yeah, no, her hair looked great. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully they had some black people. They on the did. Hair they did. Because you it looked like they did. So I. No, they, I, no, they did. Because I, I was on Andrea's um, page um, oh. on her IG. Like those, she had like black hairstyles and everything. Okay. I know. I love seeing Catherine Davis's post. Like dream team. <laughs> And I was like, oh, she's got all black hair and makeup. Yeah, it makes a big difference. It does. It matters, people. It We're matters. not just griping. And you know what? A lot of recent TV shows are talking about having black makeup artists and hair uh, artists out there to look like them to do their hair. Like Harlem talked about it. I know there's another show talking about like, why we need to have no like Ike Harley, their cast was talking about how it's so important to have a black you know, makeup hair artist in in the room to do their hair. I'm like, they I'm like, what's going on? Like it's it's a revolutionary thing going on right now. <laughs> Calling people out. <laughs> yeah, on Harlem, they really did. That oh, was did. Wow. The lady was just like, I think your hair's good. We don't need to do anything. She was like, What? Mm-mm. In other words, you don't want to do anything because you probably don't know how. And so you're just going to make her do her own hair, which is not okay. Yeah. That's, and that's not part of her job. Her job is to show up to do her best acting, you know, what is on the page, not to also try to do all that and do her own hair. That's unacceptable. So I really hope that the tide is turning and they will really start to um, 
you know, have, you know, black hair and makeup people to do black people's hair and makeup um, for, you know, shows, movies, um, all those kind of things. Style wise, did y'all feel like the way the girls were styled in the back in the day scenes, did it feel back in the day-ish to you? The clothes- I see pictures of my gran and aunties in the 60s and I'm like, what, who, what, where did, where is this coming from? <laughs> but I mean, they were in Chicago, so things were different, but did it feel like the 60s to you? The clothing, yes, it did. Because I know my my grandmother, she made like my mom and like all my uncles and aunts clothing. So it did feel like I was like back in like, you know, the 60s, you know, the mouse side, you know, and they, you know, in their little shoes and stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But like literally, because even like the, the girls who were singing the um, singing the song, they were actually real singers, a real group. A real, real group. So I was like, okay, they, like, they actually sing in that type of style, sixty style, which is really, which I was really, really happy that they actually got artists to do that on this film. By the way, I was glad but, about they, that too. They had a real girls group. Yeah, yeah, be the girls. But the group. outfits, for sure. Like I feel like they could have been a little bit more better, but they did what they had on a budget, whatever budget mm-hmm. they had. Yeah, my feeling was. Meh. You know? Yeah. They were. <laughs> I wasn't like blown away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they're beautiful and um, the clothes could have been better. Yeah. I loved that. Uh, I didn't realize that <laughs> our security, Reggie, was little Reggie. Dude, that was supposed that to be the lookout. I can't whistle. All these years later, whistle. still can't whistle. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. out of all the crazy twists and stuff that happened, that one really threw me for a loop. Me like, too. Like, Reggie, what was, what was the real, like? I thought he was like one of like the other guys that was downstairs in the basement. No, it was he was he was the one who couldn't blow the whistle. And you know what? He's still loyal after all these years because he's period. the one that planted the bug in Naima's ear. Like, oh, there's period. this room called the Daffodils. Period. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> but Come then on. he told her maybe back off. He did. He when did. she started getting close, which confused yeah. me. I was like, you're the one who got her on this path, Reggie. Now you're saying slow down. Sir, I, 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 that's how I be cautious. Be cautious, probably. That's just me. Yeah, yeah. But no, can we talk about the musical acts of this of this movie? Because they they yeah. gave me life. They gave me life, y'all. Her Chambers, Ruben Studdard. Yeah, that was definitely cool to have um, some little moments from them. Um, I like the music. I want the soundtrack. I know. I'm pushing for that, y'all. I was like, please, I'm like, please give us the the volume one of the mahogany like soundtrack, please. But no, it just made me happy because I I put this on Twitter. I'm like, this is the first time they gave us a black country artist in a Hallmark film. Because any other country news, yeah, any other country, you know, theme movie that we've seen or artists that were performing, it didn't matter if it was like a fake artist, but we never had someone of color being on that stage. And the fact that they gave us in this movie speaks volume that we are in these genres and we get down. Yeah. Everybody was enjoying themselves. They were like, that club was lit. Okay. That's the young people thing. 
I, I wish you had a talking role though. I wish you had a talking role talk with Naima and Damien. That would have made like a kind of like a good like good thing, kind of like her interviewing him a little bit, like you know why he is in country music and stuff like that. Had that conversation. I would have brought out more of like why she's doing her project anyways. But you know she's focused on the daffodils, but kind of like talk about like talk about it in her field, like you know even even yeah. if there was in there, big old teddy bear. <laughs> I guess like to. I guess my like ending thoughts when I finished it was I always, and I, I told my husband this too. Like I think about our, I think it was our second, maybe our second chat and Dory, you had like one of my favorite points of all time. You were just like, it feels like we're on borrowed time. So it feels like we just put in everything that we can put in into each of these movies. Right. Yeah. And I kind of felt that with this one too. I did too. And I even felt like um, Jazz, when you were just talking about you wish they would have gone more into like the the history of black performers and country and kind of that legacy. And I mean, I would love to see that too. And I feel like that should be its own movie. You know, like I feel like there were so many aspects of this movie that could have been their own movie, you know, yeah. a PhD student in Nashville studying music and falling in love. That could have been a movie. No mystery. You know, know. like they could, they could follow up with like, I, in my mind, I thought like she would like, you know, go there, get her degree. And she finds Damien and throughout the whole, like go to different, like little club, like different music. Either it was like country. It could have been like, um, jazz anything like to set their tone of like their musical like you know heart because he was a, a producer as well like they could have they could have got they could have meshed together they could have created some harmonies okay they could have joked around in the studio with a song and just fell in love in the booth and had a kiss that could have been amazing <laughs> let me write it please <laughs> please yeah give us something cute and fun instead of heavy and yeah hard yeah. Yeah. Also, also, they really like honestly. I feel like this movie could have been on Hallmark drama as a TV series, kind of like you know you have like the Dallases and stuff like that. It could have been a Nashville legacy series, and I, it could have been like heavy hitters in the museum. I I would have been down for that. I Hallmark mean, drama. I would be down for it, but don't. Like, don't. I would have been, been. You're been getting ahead of yourself, for- Jazz. I don't think we're gonna get a series. <laughs> yeah, we're not. But that, that's a like the near one day future. Like I'm just saying, yeah, that could that could have been it. <laughs> If we do, I'd be so surprised. <laughs> well, so unfortunately, I feel like for me, like this was my least favorite mahogany movie so far. I think it just had the most drama that just overshadowed like the whole movie. And so I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it like the other ones, I guess, as much because I guess they were not not so heavy. Even though the holiday stocking that was that was heavy, but I really liked the ensemble cast and kind of what they had. Yeah, I, I still think you about know, that scene at the end, y'all. I, oh God, me too. I'm gonna cry. Like one of the best Hallmark endings ever, <laughs> hands down. Come at me, bro, if you want to argue about <laughs> it, but I stand for that ending. That makes you, every time I think of that movie, you think of the ending. And I'm just like, I'll watch it over and over again for that moment. That part. But I'm not going to lie. I feel like the Nashville legacy kind of reminded me of the Holiday Harris movie when they had that same, kind of like that family conflict situation happening. 
And I was like, man, I really, I really was enjoying this movie until like this, you know, this plot. But I'm like, dang. So this is okay. Cause I know we're, we're I know we're like way over time and Rachel's going to have a moment. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> but okay. I, have, I, I wanted to ask this. So I was thinking, I was watching this movie and I'm like, who is this? You know, like, okay. I, I read a book recently um, by Jean Meltzer called Mr. Perfect on Paper. She had her b- big book, The Matzo Ball. She writes Jewish rom-coms. And like this last one, I felt like I enjoyed it. And I'm like, okay, it's very much for people who are not Jewish. You know, lots of information dumping out there, told through the perspective of a matchmaker. Really good read. And so I'm watching this movie and I'm like, is this actually for us? Is it trying to be a little bit for everybody? Or is it really tor- for not us? You know, because I'm like, I was telling my husband, I was like, there's so much about this that we already know. We already know that a lot of our recordings were in some basement and we had to go through the back door to perform, you know, before you got on stage in front of America. You know, like we already know that stuff. So what do you all like feel about that? I was like, am I thinking too much into this? <laughs> like you're not thinking too much into that. Cause mind you, I actually love that little matchmaking movie. That was like lit. Like that was like one of my best, like Jewish, like, Oh, it felt very, movies. yeah. That book felt very much like that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sitting here. Like it felt like it was supposed to be for us, but not for us for real. Like it probably for the white audience gaze of like understanding like the black, you know, experience in I guess in Nashville but I'm like it could have been more better like mm. I feel like I need I feel like I need like a third writer on this on this film to actually give this authentic like it could have been it could have been a different way they could explain you know the music like why she loved the music discovering new artists like they could have been in the record store looking through different artists and oh that record store people. that record yeah. scene was so dope <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved that too. Like it was just so retro. Just like you could have been in there looking at different art. Like we could have like saw them. It was, it could have been amazing what they could have did with this movie of a legacy. Like how is legacy formed? It's within music. Like everything. They, it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, it truly was. It definitely was a missed opportunity, and just I don't know. It just felt. It just felt like the just the least one, the least best one. That's not the right way to say that, but that they've released so far. So I hope in 2023 that we will get some better um, mahogany movies. My gosh, can we get a fun spring movie with like a black heroine that owns like a flower truck and goes around selling flowers or something. I mean, something light and fluffy. Something light. We had the same conversation in our chat. I had a whole little storyline with that. This is what it should have been. It was called Secret Admirer. Don't take my idea. I'm watching everybody online. Don't, don't put it don't out there. Say it. Don't right. say it. You got to keep it secret till it's I ready. Know, I have all this juice. They don't, they're not ready for it. They're not. Oh, we're Do- ready for it. <laughs> we're begging for it. We're desperate for but, it. Like, like, why movie- is it that we, because I feel like, you know, people are listening. You guys just always want light and fluffy. Like, why do we want light and fluffy and fun? Because I mean, life is hard. Like, is we hard. all, I mean, yeah. and I also think it's, why did we come to the Hallmark channel in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right? Escape. It was for 
these romances, it was for, I mean, I know there's a lot of overlap, like I'm a romance reader. There's mm-hmm. a lot of over, overlap in that community. Like it's a similar desire, right? To want these romantic stories. And so, you know, and the, I mean, listen, there is so much heaviness in the history of black people. There's so much heaviness that we contend with still to this day. And sometimes it's really nice to lay that burden down and just watch two people falling in love, you know? Yes. I learned recently about, it's called like transgenerational trauma, like descendants of slaves, people in places like Romania. Like it's a real thing. Yeah. Jewish people with the Holocaust. Jewish people with the Holocaust. Yes. Like it's a very real thing, I think, for us to just be like, I don't want to watch anything heavy because it's it's already I'm already dealing with heavy, you know. Right, it's literally <laughs> in my genes. Yes, from you like know, hundreds of DNA. years ago. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> make me you laugh, know? okay? Totally. Yes. Make me smile. And make me laugh. Inspire me. Make me swoon. Yeah, yes. like that's what we want. Just like yes. a rom com. I know. It's just fun, and I I really hope we're gonna you know that we'll get one. Me too. Yeah, probably exactly. only one in a whole year. So probably hopefully we get one. Um, and, at some and point. And Brie, I want to go back really quick to your point that you made before we started talking about rom-coms because it really took me aback and I needed a minute to think about it. Okay. I want to hear what when you, you said. Say. Who is this movie for? <laughs> yes. You stunned me into silence. It was such an amazing question. <laughs> I was like, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me see my, my tea real quick. for a second. Exactly. Let me get my tea. First of all, amazing question and something that Hallmark needs to consider as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to the writing, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a black person writing one of these movies, you're writing it for us. Yes. Just naturally. Mm -hmm. And with this movie, it felt like someone wrote it who had researched black culture and but you can never write from that perspective mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. your you can never write from your personal perspective like that if you're you know researching a different culture or a different experience and so i think a lot of it comes down to the writing and i agree with jazz's point like that's when you need to pair with another writer who does have that personal experience a black writer who has that lived personal experience to add to your you know, really well done script that could have great historical information, but you need that personal touch. And I think that's why we all loved Unthinkably Good Things so much. It felt like for us for the first Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And even girlfriendship right. and it wasn't and a girlfriendship too. Yes. A hundred percent. Like you, you can just feel when the writer is writing that for you and is telling you, she's telling her story, but her story is also your story in so yep. many ways. Yes. And so like, I think that's an excellent question, Brie. And I think it's one that they need to really be asking if they're going to continue with doing mahogany, like, who, who are we making these movies for? And therefore, who should we be having come on these projects, you know? Yeah. I totally agree with that because I'm sitting here crying. Like, I'm not going to lie, I'm crying right now. But 
when I sit as a kid, you know, growing up in, into adulthood, like watching these movies that, you know, what our favorite actresses and stuff like that, no matter if you know what color or race it is, like you're still trying to put, put yourself, even in a book, put yourself in those character's shoes and you're that character. You're acting out yep. in these manners. But when I'm finally seeing someone where I don't have to place myself in those other shoes where I'm seeing myself who looks like me, I want to feel those same reactions, those same mannerisms, you know, of the culture. And I'm not, I'm getting like the whitewash version of it. I want to be all into it. I want to be, I want to say, I get that joke. Even like we watched it, um, you know, to her with love, like some of the jokes they were, like they were telling us, like, I got those manners. I got those. Cause we tell you that all the time within, within our family or with our friends. Like, I want to see the authentic, authenticity of our stories being told. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need to have them be paired either with our bright panel part so they can learn how to how we write, how we express ourselves, because we could write a story though, but who's our target audience? Who's going to read it? Who's going to watch it? And also learn from it and be be authentically open about it instead of just saying, okay, I'm writing the script. It's bland, but we're going to put these characters of different cultures in it and try to flare it up. No, make sure someone who's doing that rewrite yeah. is adding their culture into that, adding these mannerisms into these scripts so it could be authentic that we say, okay, this is not whitewashed. This is from the heart. This is from the experience of a person of color in these films, yeah. in these writings, in these books. It just needs to become the norm to have more diversity and more mm-hmm. inclusion all the way it's around. Okay. We need more black characters. We need more Latina characters. We need more yes. Asian characters. We need more characters with disabilities, chronic illness. It needs mm-hmm. to become the norm, period. And you need and to have those reach. own voices in the writing room. And mm-hmm. I feel like Hallmark is probably in a bit of a crossfire because so much of their audience is the old school audience who doesn't like a lot of the direction that we're going through. But you know what? There's other networks and sorry, honey, but the movies, them ratings haven't been that good. Sorry. Mm. Hashtag. Mm. So <laughs> go over there if you want to report back and let us know what you think. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's at Brie Unabashedly on Twitter. You Speak can come find it. me. Speak <laughs> on it. Yes. I was going to say that, which exactly what you said, Brie, is, you know, that every, you know, if it's a movie about, you know, um, black people, it should be, you know, have black voices. If it's a movie about Latinas, it should have Latina voices or, you know, Latin voices. And if it's, you know, a movie about an Asian, you know, family, it should have an Asian writer. Like, it, you know, if someone, it's a movie about someone with special needs, they should take, you know, some, um, what you, would you call it? have a you know someone who works with them who does mm-hmm. have that special need yeah. who can, you know give to that exactly. story because it matters you know like the day spring movies you know they should be written by people who are christian you know the jewish movies it's so much better and authentic and then they should be written by people who are jewish um you know it's just it bleeds through so much like you're saying when when it comes from a person of that you know race or religion or culture and that's just who needs to be in the writing chair and, um, you know, in the writing room of, of these movies. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think, too, just calling it as I see it, living in America, most of our population is growing to be biracial. Mm. We need more biracial yes. characters, have biracial writers in the writing room, too. <laughs> Just saying. I Absolutely. mean, you know, I say that because I am. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I yeah. 
I have a white stepmother. I will go to the ends of the earth for her. My siblings are mixed. I want to see them reflected too. I want to see, you know, they they know what it's like to be told you have to pick a side. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm both, you know. Mm-hmm. So right. that's somebody told me that when I was in second grade. Blew my mind. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. And, like I'm just a child, and you're saying you have to pick one race. Like what is happening? Yeah. Right. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go into it, but um, <laughs> so I will read the description so you guys can look out and see how early they start promoting this movie when we finally get some uh, promos and posters. Um, but the new, there is an April mahogany movie and it's called spring breakthrough starring Keisha Sharp, Demetrius Gross, Ryan Nicole Brown and Akano Dixon, and it premieres Sunday, April 30th on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. The description's kind of long. Uh, this is what it says Single mother Monica Rollins, sharp, excitedly waits for her daughter Vivian Brown to come home for spring break, their annual tradition. Days before, after years of tireless dedication to her job, Monica unceremoniously is unceremoniously fired. To make matters worse, Monica is dealt with a second blow when Vivian announces her surprise engagement to Sean Dixon, someone Monica didn't even know existed, and travels to Gulf Shores for the engagement celebration. En route, she meets Clark Randall, gross, who happens to be Sean's godfather at the airport, and an unexpected flirtation ignites. So that is what we have to look forward to to talk about. Uh, I guess we'll be talking about it in May since it airs on the last day of April. But um, um, for some promotion of this new movie, I think it's finishing up filming probably this week. I think they're filming in Alabama. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what's next. Yeah, we'll be reporting the back. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the pattern already. It's going to be at the end of the month. Just like. Stop it. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew somebody was going to say that. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Man, why they always got to put us at the end of the month? I know. It just kind of makes you be like, okay, like just like an afterthought, right? At the end. Or we could look right. at it like save the best for last. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's that is our true. choice. That's our choice, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, well hopefully we have a winner. I hope so. I hope this one will not be so heavy and that it will be more fun. Yes. And um, yeah. Yeah, but I will say this, like anybody from like, you know, from the Nashville legacy, like I know we love your guys' acting. We love what you guys did with the film. This is not native towards you as actors or anything. This is about what happened behind the scenes from the playing, the marketing, etc. You guys did a fantastic job with the script that you had and gave us the chemistry that we needed and delivered 100%. Right, and even the script was great. I I really think our whole our whole issue was from before the movie even came out, we had a sour taste in our, there was lack of promotion and a little bit of promotion that we did get had us thinking it was going to be one thing. So you, I mean, as if you were, you go into it already kind of with that bias of like what you've watched on YouTube ahead of time. So I just think that I feel like whoever does promotion marketing or whatever, they did not do this movie justice. You know, they did not really have people excited to watch it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, I enjoyed this movie. My issues are just broader about 
diversity and promotion and marketing and how, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like my, a lot of the concerns that I have expressed are about, are a lot bigger than this movie. Cause yeah. I did enjoy it. And I feel bad that like, this is the movie where we have to have this kind of conversation, but mm-hmm. it's just come to a head. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot that we hope to see improved upon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, we just, we just want the same, you know, same advertising, the same marketing as our white counterparts. Right. That's all we ask. Not last minute, like we're a last afterthought or we forgot that we have this movie in our lineup. And no. the same variety of storytelling. Yes. You know? Mm, yes. We, we think want back that to the too. holiday season. What was our, what was the movie? Three, three wise, whatever that movie was. Three are a man and a mm-hmm, Yes, and it baby. was fantastic. Why yes. couldn't we have one of those? Why can't we have one of those? Right. Mm. Right. Like, where's the variety in the storytelling for these Black-centered films? I'm waiting for it, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna keep working it. on them, y'all. I'm gonna keep working on them. Yeah. Yes. And yet, there's no writer released yet for this spring breakthrough. So we don't know the writer. Actually, I believe the director um, I read is um, actually the brother, or no, was he the brother who passed away in the movie Holiday Yes. Season? Uh-huh. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. Why is it right? Oh shoot. I don't have his name in front of me. But it's the actor who played the I brother know. who passed away. Yeah. Okay. It was like, my, it was like oh my yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm gonna have him uh, in Exhale. That's Detroit. so awesome. Okay, oh, that's yes. great. He's the director, so I do know that. I saw that, but I don't know who the writer is. So we'll have to figure out the, when they put on IMDb. I'll definitely send it to our look, chat. Hallmark. We will learn how to write a script if you need us to. <laughs> Just hit us right. up, okay? <laughs> we are begging. Can we talk to somebody? Anybody? <laughs> we have thoughts. <laughs> Please, okay. please give <laughs> us actually, a hold fluffy on. Light some information. Rom-com. Let me see. No, Michael, he's actually the director, but I'm not sure about the writer. He is the director. Yeah, he's but the director. Yeah. I'll right, take so that. That's a win in my that's, book. That's that's something. Yeah, and he's. Um, well, I guess he was. He did a lot of movies too. So. Yeah, he's yeah he's yeah he's in. I mean, he was in like Forrest Gump. He's been in yeah. I mean, you know, different kinds of movies, and you know, had lots of acting experience too. So I'm sure that'll bring something to his directing um, for sure. Um, So let's see, where can people follow you, Brie? I'm at Brie unabashedly on Instagram and the Twitter. Okay, Jasmine. Well, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Shereem16, S-H-R-E-E-M-1-6. And Dory? You can find me at All the Feels Pod and at Dory Benford on Twitter. All right, and you can find me at AW, at aw scott twenty one on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, just make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast all over social media. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. And if you're listening on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We also have a Patreon group that you can check out and join for as low as two dollars a month, and a merch store with T Public. So make sure you check those out. And we will see you um, in early May.